Counter It Up, episode number 191 of Ingoal Radio, the podcast. Oh, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Millard from Vegas, along with the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, Kevin Woodley in the Lower Mainland and over on Vancouver Island, it's David Hutchison. A lot to get to today, a couple of feature interviews along with our gear segment uh, brought to you by The Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. October saves continues and a carry price update. Uh, we are rocking and rolling, Woody. Lots going on. You know what? Let's just I'm going to I'm going to make this about me cuz that's what I do. I'm back in the locker rooms, Darren. Oh, like, how is it? Oh, like so nice. Freddie, uh, Freddie Anderson was here the other day, got to check out his new true pads. Interestingly enough, some tweaks that he had made custom that I now see two days later, some of them in some ways appear to be part of their new PX3 line. So it's fascinating to talk to him about why he made some of the switches um, in his setup and to now see that it looks like it's going to be a stock option uh, at retail. Uh, Craig Anderson was here, Eric Comrie. Um, we had we had time to sit down, obviously, with Auntie Ranta. Like it's just so nice to be back in there to be able to have one-on-one conversations, um, continue to build those relationships, and to see the gear, like to to be able to ask questions about that stuff. Right? Ranta had the Connect skates. We're going to talk to him about that. Like so many different things. Uh, it was yeah. How about this one, Craig Ander- Craig Anderson playing against the Canucks? I think it was about the second period. Sharp angle shot squeezes the pads together like Evgeny Nabokov in the 90s, baby. It was just like straight up, two pads right together, puck ricochets off. JT Miller was like the guy who shot it. He's just like, what the? And literally in the TV time up, comes up to Craig and he's like, what the hell was that? And I talked to JT the next day and I had to ask him like, like, did that just totally throw you off? He's like, if he did something like that on a grade A scoring chance, I would have been rattled. But all I was trying to do was throw it off the back pad and have a rebound go to the middle, which of course it would have if Craig had dropped into a reverse or even a VH. But because he just did the old school stand-up and actually kicked the pad out in JT's Miller's words, like like kicked his leg at it, it went straight back towards him and passed him and caught him totally off guard. So uh, another win for the uh, the the importance of unpredictability at times. These shooters are clearly looking for specific things. And old school Andy threw a, threw a little bit of a wrinkle there. And I think there's some benefits to that. So fascinating conversation with him that we'll have coming up next week. Uh, Eric Comrie learning from Craig Anderson. Like two totally opposite goalies. One who plays on feel and instinct and another one who's a pure technician or, or more of a technician. Just I love being back in the locker rooms and having these conversations, guys. So I couldn't hide my excitement. I had to share some of the just a few of the little anecdotes we had here in the opening week of being back in the room. For the record, Hutch, I just said, hey, we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, you did well there, didn't you? (laughs) I I rocked and and rolled. And then all that happened. I think anybody who hosts Kevin Woodley on their show really has about the easiest job in the world, don't they? Good morning, Kevin. Absolutely. That's all you have to do. We got a 10-minute segment. Uh, What do you want to talk about? This is why they pay me. Pay All me right, on Kevin, ra- goodbye. I, that's why they pay me on radio. Two questions, 20 minutes. I segment. still remember one of his first interviews on Sirius XM radio. And I had to go out to the car to listen to it. It's the only place I had Sirius. And the classic Woody goes through the long, long answer. And when they hung up the radio, the hosts just started laughing. They say, we love having Woody on here. All we have to do is ask one question and he fills the air. It's beautiful. But it's all great content, you, you Woody. We coffee. tease you, Woody, but it's awesome stuff. 
No, that's what I mean. You can't go for coffee because you're too interested in what he actually has Absolutely. to say. Absolutely. But you need a coffee because you're going to fall asleep because he won't stop no, talking. No, be- awesome, be- because there's there's all that that happening, and but you don't you don't have to have the follow up because you don't have time for the follow up. So it, it's, well, you it's also awesome. forgot the I'm three follow ups you created along the way. <laughs> the, well, that's uh, the thing. There's a lot of stuff rattling around in my head, and I <clears> this is the thing about those types of questions. If I don't get it out, I'm worried they won't ask me the follow up. So I just spit it all <laughs> out at once. And as you can tell, boys, I am genuinely ex- like I'm going to the rink today. Pittsburgh Canucks aren't even in town, but Pittsburgh's practicing. Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, going to ca- catch up with our old friend Andy Kyoto, the goalie coach there. Like, after two plus years of not being able to engage in that way, like, this is, I'm so happy. Like, I just pure joy to be back in the rinks talking about goaltending with the goalies one on one. None of this scrum or, you know, podium type crap. It's just, I'm 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 in my I'm in my crowning glory here, boys. So I apologize for the rambling, but I am genuinely pumped. We have two feature interviews brought to you by Sensorina on the way, uh, so we want to make sure we get to that. Antiranta uh, being able to stop by and have a conversation with Woody is awesome stuff. Uh, but I have one curious, legitimate question uh, about being back in the room. Do you treat the goaltender's equipment? the same way as you do at the hockey shop. Like, are you walking up to Freddie's stall and you're, you're looking at the pads, you're twisting them around, you're looking at the gloves, you, you got them, you're, you're half on. Is it the same way it, because you're so excited to be back in the room? No, tempting. And yeah. as, you'll, as folks that subscribe uh, to InGoal Premium, InGoalMag.com know, uh, I have already spotted one thing in the locker room that led to a story. Uh, walking by the stick rack, I couldn't help but notice that Eric Comrie had scribbled a personalized message on the back of the paddle of each of his sticks. And so quick conversation with Eric, but also, and this is what's different in the locker room of an NHL team versus the hockey shop, I got to ask permission. So you got to make sure you can't just start grabbing gear. And, you know, so I ask Eric permission. Can I get an image of that? Ask public relations. Hey, is it OK if I uh, take some video of the stick rack here? You got to get permission there. So I don't think I'm sticking my hands in gloves. This is the other thing too. Sometimes you want to take pictures of masks. Always got to get the guys to bring it down. The last thing anyone wants is your hands touching something that goes on their face. So I'm a little more delicate, Darren, when I'm at the rink than I am at the hockey shop. And I got to say, what I'm looking forward to most in the coming month is a whole new space at the hockey shop to terrorize Cam and all the staff there with my endless grabbing of equipment, trying on gloves, flexing sticks. They are moving, guys. Moving from the long-time location in Surrey to a massive location out in Langley. I haven't been inside yet, but we'll be in there soon. We'll share some video. Huge area, huge space, more specialty area for goaltending, more shooting areas for us to hop in as we do this week with the Bauer Proto V to take a look at the flex points on that stick in our video and our gear segment. There's two shooting rooms now, as I understand it. Like, just can't wait to show the folks what the new hockey shop is going to look like. And a quick note to all the longtime supporters, fans, and, and customers of the hockey shop. Uh, whether you're in person or the hockeyshop.com, I believe the last day at the old store that it's open is going to be November 14th. I may be there shedding a tear of nostalgia uh, on that final day. The new one doesn't open till November 19th, 
but they're going to keep the online business, this is for you, Darren, open throughout. So yes. don't worry. The physical location will have a, a brief shutdown. Will they move all that inventory and finish, put the finishing touches on the setup? But the hockeyshop.com will be going full speed, full bore. If you need gear, they're going to get it to you. Make sure if you're in town, get your skate sharpened by Cecil and his crew before the old one closes. But in terms of buying new gear and having it shipped directly to you, wherever you are, the hockeyshop.com will remain open. Uh, and I can't wait. Like I said, big location. Lots of new space, excited to see what they've done with it and excited to share that with you because once we're in there, we'll make sure that's one of our early videos. We'll walk you through the new hockey shop out in Langley. Big move for the hockey shop source for sports, Surrey to Langley, the hockeyshop.com. A smaller jaunt for the gear segment this week as Kevin and Cam talk the new Proto V Twig. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia. Different location today. We literally moved five meters to the right. That's, uh, that's it. It's cavernous down here, Cam. We want to create the effect of us having to move a great distance to get to your magnificent stick wall. I walked many miles to get here. We're here, though. We're at the stick wall. Two-sided, folks. You can't see. There's another side here. Correct. We're in front of the Bauer line. Why? Proto V. You've seen it. Bauer started advertising it last week. Cam already has it in stock. We do. We heard all about 575 grams. That's correct. Which obviously makes it an exceptionally light stick. Let's get Cam to walk us through the rest of this stick. Details, the build, the flex point. What matters other than weight? First of all, like that's the lightest stick in their line? That's correct, yeah. Five. Lightest stick in the market? Par. Right with the true... That's correct. The hazardous. The hazardous. It was 507. So we got two sticks now in the 575 gram range. This one is going to cost you about 60 bucks less up here in Canada. Price point um, has come in underneath that hazardous model. Let's go through the rest of the features on the Proto V. Okay. So what you're getting is uh, based off of the Hyperlite design. So you are getting the Pentagrip. Ooh, a lot of people like the pentagrip. Correct. You're getting that more texture grip that will help you get out and get your finger out in front. Me, me personally, I do like that grip that I do get out of the stick. Um, shorter shaft. So you are chopped two inches off of what would be your regular supreme overall height. There's a hyperlite. 27 same, to 27. Same size. There you go. There is the same build. You can see it's got the same grip. Correct. So again, for pulling that puck off of the boards, I'm not grabbing my stick all the way up here, for example. Get I'm getting top. a little bit lower being able to pull that out a little bit easier. To help aid in that as well will also be the P30 run rounded toe as well. Again, that's stock only option? Stock only option. And that will again help to aid in uh, pulling that puck off the boards. So now that's similarities. There you go, P31. What's different? Different, okay, so overall feel of the stick, the weight, all that jazz is coming from a couple different things. So Proto-V, they basically told their R&D development team that hey, Forget the budget, figure out something crazy and new. We've kind of done that with this. So advanced carbon layering two. So better overall carbon, higher count, reducing the weight by also creating more rigidity inside the stick as well. Um, rigidity I, equals durability? In theory? In theory. In theory. Uh, to be honest, so far we've been lucky. I actually knock on, well, I don't really have much wood around anymore. But that said, no warranty so far. We've had them out. 
Not that there isn't a warranty on the stick. There is. There they is. haven't had to warranty a Correct, stick. correct. So we'll, we'll properly label that. Uh, what I do find so far is it's a very, very stiff stick. The, the way that the stick overall flexes and pops, I find it's a bit of a higher kick point, uh, just in terms of general overall feel. But I do find that even uh, putting some weight behind it, that's how you really have to get that pop out. It's a very stiff overall feel. Bit of a different sort of feel. As, as much as it's a pentagrip, it feels like almost like a rubberized surface over the top there. Correct. So now that's basically moving on to the shaft of the stick. They are incorporating uh, actually rubber technology into the overall shaft itself. That's helping to reduce the overall shock off those uh, shaft impacts and that overall vibration. So once again, you're continuing to get that uh, good overall feel without that like overall vibration of that stick wanting to bounce out of your hands. Okay. Anything else new, different? I mean, obviously we've gone through a few key points here. Uh, feel, performance, good look. Nice, nice murdered out look. Yeah. Blacked out. Anything else? I think uh, we should show it off uh, shooting here and uh, yeah, come check it out at uh, hockeyshop.com. If they've got questions on availability, how many to order, is this an, is something you can order? Super limited. No, super limited, limited release. What yeah. you got is what you got. Where Correct. do they get you to, get, to figure out what you got other than the hockeyshop.com? 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Bauer, Proto-V. It's hot, it's new, it's light. And it's available now at thehockeyshop.com. Come check it out. Love this idea that the, the shaft length is almost becoming uh, shorter by uh, standard. Like it's it's growing towards that, uh, the, the, which leads us to, to, to some news on Carey Price. But uh, I love the idea of your hand top hand being a little bit lower when you're taking pucks off the wall uh, that you and... And Cam talked to. Well, you know, and it's funny because you know what that reminds me of, Hutch, and we got to get to this, and, and it's a great reminder to folks of all the great content that we have at ingoldmag.com. Uh, towards the end of our session at Net360 this year, one of the tips that Thomas Spear was working on with James Reimer, remember they were experimenting with the Mike Smith method. When he went back to collect a puck off the wall, he didn't turn his hand over the top of that shortened stick. He actually put it on the top, like the butt end of the stick. And so having a shorter stick allowed you to push down and get that much better leverage stopping that puck. So I think we're going to have to make sure we turn that tip over uh, on the website soon at ingoldmag.com. And sure, these shorter sticks make that that much easier. Uh, impressed by the weight, impressed by the feel. Uh, I knew the we talked a little bit about the true hazardous stick sort of setting a new sort of standard in terms of 575 grams. Uh, Bauer matches it here with the Proto-V. Uh, I would argue having them side to side, the finishing's a little cleaner on the Proto-V. It's sort of got this subtle blacked out look. Um, and, you know, and based on some of the early returns and feedback, there's a durability there uh, that I think folks have come to expect uh, from Bauer product, and maybe even this exceeds it a little bit. Tiny bit stiffer, so um, it'd be really interesting to see, and certainly a lot cheaper at $60 uh, less than the hazardous stick. So uh, another option in the extreme lightweight category, the Bauer Proto-V. And as you mentioned, Darren, who started this trend of sawed-off shorter sticks in the National Hockey League? And where did that, and started to trickle down now to the point where it's stock on a lot of options at retail? I think that was Carey Price. Remember those articles, Hutch? It's, isn't it funny how many of these sort of get tied back to articles we we wrote at Ingle, and then the next thing you know, we're literally seeing companies follow suit. I remember suit. the articles, and I remember pulling the saw out at home so that I could cut the sticks down and get the same feel. Back when you could actually, where they no, would? 
No, I've done it to carbon fiber sticks for sure. Do you so make now, carbon fiber saw? Uh, I just pulled out a jigsaw and I put a random blade in and I kept going. Some of the blades burned out and some didn't. I don't know what. I'm not a handyman. <laughs> me neither. I was going to say just get the old power, the power saw, but they don't let me play with power tools here at my house. They know it's a trip to the hospital waiting to happen. Um, but on that note, uh, we saw Carrie on Monday. Uh, there's an excellent article by Arpon Basu in The Athletic talking about both Carrie's impact but Kerry being very open about um why he ended up in the player assistance program and some of the the troubles that he had uh especially after as he was going through this and dealing with the emotions of not being able to potentially not being able to play anymore we saw him talk about um you know the reality right now and as much as he's not going to retire and of course why would he if he makes his retirement officially he loses all of most of the remaining salary he's owed because it's all in signing bonuses and that's how the CBA goes. But the reality, I mean, when he's talking about needing medical miracles to have a chance, as much as we all hope it happens, it certainly seems unlikely. And that's a really sad day because um, to me, the NHL isn't the same. Like the NHL is better with Carey Price in it, right? And that's not just because he's such an exceptional goalie. Um, it's because of the impact he had. And so for my, for, for ingoalmag.com and for my column at NHL, I started talking to goalies around the league about how even if Price doesn't play again, the impact that he had will be felt in the NHL for years to come. And uh, the column will have comments from some of the guys and we're going to expand on them at ingoalmag.com because I don't have the space at NHL.com to, you know, play out the full conversations, but had some great chats with, you know, Carter Hart. Um, Eric Comrie, both of whom had personal experiences with Kerry Car- Carter once he was in the National Hockey League. Um, Eric, when he was still in junior, and Kerry went to Tri City during a lockout to skate. And some of the stories that they shared, and you know, we talk about you know he was kind of that less is more as a philosophy of efficiency. Like Kerry, you know, led the way on that. Like his ability to sort of operate at one speed, no matter how fast the game got around him he moved at his speed and almost seemed to slow things down. Um, You know, just remarkable in the way he impacted the position. Guys like Hart and Comrie modeling their games after him, um, looking up to him. Carey's first year in the NHL was Carter's first year as a goalie at age nine. And he's got some stories about collecting magazines with Carey in it, uh, going to games and making sure he was at the warm-up, watching to see what crease movement drills Carey did, and then adding them himself. Uh, as a young goaltender, like just all kinds of anecdotes like that. So the way he played, but also the equipment there. You talked about cutting down the stick and how that became a trend. Kerry started it. Uh, no bootstrap. Kerry, to my recollection, as much as we Lundquist loop and, and putting it through the heel was all about Hank, Kerry is the first guy to ditch it completely and a lot of goalies followed suit. Uh, we think of taking the elastic knee strap from your knee stack and running it down to your calf to open up more room uh, are in the knee area for for knee pads. Again, Carey Price started that. So many goalies around the league now use it, and that's an innovation that starts with him. And so whether it's the way he played, um, just the sheer like class and talent he had on the ice, the person he was off it, or the way he moved the needle with every little equipment change that he made. I mean, CCM built an entire line, the E-Flex line, around his playing preferences, I would argue that nobody has had a bigger impact on the position over the last decade than Carey Price. And so it's sad if we don't get to see him again, but I think important at the same time to remember 
you know, just how strong that impact was and will continue to be um, as goalies who grew up trying to play like him continue to have an impact on the National Hockey League. And on the subject of impact, the final days of October saves. Absolutely is. And we've been really excited to be able to support October Saves this year. Great organization supporting uh, the fight against cancer for goaltenders around the world to unite together to, to help in the fight. And uh, so InGoal has done a couple of things to support it. And you've still got a chance to get on board with us and help out as well. Uh, of course, if you're a goaltender who wants to sponsor October saves, you can get in there. You can still collect a little sponsorship. There's nothing wrong with going back and looking at how many saves you've made over the month of October and uh, getting yourself and sponsors to make a gift towards October saves and in, uh, in honor of that. But at InGoal, um, we put together some nice prizes for their Tuesday giveaways, which uh, unfortunately for everybody out there, they are now gone. There was a signed Connor Hellebuck stick. There was a signed Carey Price jersey. And uh, what we're doing that we'd love you all to get on board with is if you haven't become an InGoal Premium member yet, go sign up before the end of the month and half of your membership fee will go directly to October Saves. And uh, we, we just think that's one way we can get on board and support. Uh, we hope the rest of the Goal Union will come together and join us and uh, make October Saves part of your annual uh, charitable contributions. Yeah, great cause. We were a little late jumping on it in early October, but thank you everyone for the support. And still a few days left, as you said, Hutch. Uh, hop on. I mean, no better. There's, it's always a good time to get a subscription to Ingle Premium. We've got lots of great content coming out, as I talked about. We're in the rooms more often. We're getting to record drills with NHL goalies, and we'll be bringing those to you in the coming weeks uh, as they start coming through town. Um, and if you do it this month, before the end of October, half your money goes directly to October Save. So we appreciate all the support. Throughout this month, we thank October Saves for allowing us to, to hop on board with them. And we look forward to an even bigger effort um, now that we've been involved this year to an even bigger launch and a bigger effort on our end next season. And would encourage everyone else who's listening to make their plans to be a part of October Saves in 2023. In the meantime, you can still contribute. Check out their website and check out ingolmeg.com if you're not already a subscriber. Do it now. I have a new reason to look forward to October every year now. Not for Halloween, not for the start of the National Hockey League season, or not just for Halloween, not just for the start of the National Hockey League season, but October saves. That is a great addition to my calendar. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, I hope that it grows and, and keeps expanding and becomes uh, a worldwide phenomenon. And I put all the pressure on you, Hutch. On me. Make that on happen. Me. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll do what I can. Yeah. If it does not become a worldwide phenomenon, it just becomes really, 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 really big. I think there's some people doing way more for this than we are that are making it a worldwide phenomenon. So congrats to everybody at October Saves. Yeah, and hey, listen, quick plug too. Like not just uh, we had her on uh, uh, Laura Hopewell, but also some of their longstanding partners want to give some love. Like like Justin Goldman at the Goalie Guild has, has supported them for a long time and brought it onto our radar. So um, as you said, Hutch, there's a lot of people that have been doing great work for this um, for a long time, and I'm happy that we finally got to join the team in a small capacity, and we look forward to being part of it. But we want to make sure we pass on the kudos to all those that have uh, been there from the start and doing all the hard work. It's a great cause, and, and I can't wait to see it, as, as Darren said, keep growing. And there's so many different ways that you can help out. Centerina, 
Sensorina VR, uh, awesome, bringing us our feature interviews. Absolutely, and Sensorina came on board with a prize for October Saves as well because you can fundraise not just as an individual but as an organization. And the organization that raises the most funds for October Saves this year will be getting uh, a one-year subscription to Sense Arena. And they have got an organizational model for Sense Arena. So if you're a goalie coach, you run a big program, uh, you can bring in Sense Arena like a number of NHL teams have. And, uh, and then multiple goaltenders um, in your system can work with it uh, and can be tracked within the system and so on. So Sense Arena is a great way uh, to train off the ice. In fact, we think it's uh, possibly the best way to train off ice to become a great goaltender. No more are we just standing in the hallways juggling, bouncing balls off walls, but now you can face uh, virtual shooters. They're video shooters in many cases where you're facing professional hockey players. You can get a feel for what it's like to stand in front of a 90 mile an hour slap shot that maybe you don't get to uh, because you're woody and maybe just a little bit old and slow, or maybe you're a young kid and you don't really want to step in front of a 90-mile-an-hour slap shot, well, you can see what it feels like in Sense Arena. And right now, if you would like to train in Sense Arena, learn how to read releases like Craig Anderson, learn how to face uh, you know, top power play formations, get some work on your eye-hand coordination and other neurocognitive skills, it's a great time to, if you head over to SenseArena.com, they'll have a little pop-up there. If you haven't joined their email list, do it today, and you'll get a 20% discount on your subscription to Sensorina. And don't forget, use the code at checkout, IGM50, as in InGoalMag50, IGM50, and you get another discount as well on top of it. Never been a better time to try Sensorina. Add it to your regular weekly training, and you will be a better goaltender at the end of the season. We guarantee it. I have a buddy who's always said, one of his uh, mottos is, why pay retail? Yeah, you don't have to right there. You, you got the 20% discount. You got the IGM 50. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's begging you to sign up. <laughs> it's the best time ever. Says the guy running the business in Gold Radio, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hutch is going to kill me after this. Now, this may be my last episode. Uh, well, nobody we has get, to uh, pay the... retail to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good yeah. point on that. Uh, Woody, uh, two feature interviews this week. Uh, we start with uh, Antiranta. This is a bit of a history for, for us. First time. Yes. I guess we are getting to that point where we haven't had a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of first time guests right. left in the National Hockey League. Excellent Episode 191. There we go. Taking a little while. I've had chats with Auntie over the years, but never been able to sort of have that long form sit down. This was in the room, so you'll hear a little background noise. You heard me talking about being back in the room. Thanks to Kane's PR for, you know, allowing us to do this and set up and frankly stay in the room a lot longer than anyone else. We were we were lingering long after the rest of the media had exited and was out talking to Rod Brindamore after a morning skate. But Auntie was great with his time, lots of great insights and you know, the one thing that I took away from this and talking to uh, Carolina Hurricanes goalie coach Paul Schoenfelder the day before when they were in town, um, just the amount of fun that Auntie is having again. Um, you know, as, as you'll hear him talk about, that got sucked out of him a little bit uh, with the injuries and the losing in Arizona, mostly the injuries. Uh, but this guy's been a hell of a goalie ever since he got to North America. 
Um, you know, really took off with the Rangers. Talks a lot about mentoring under Henrik Lundqvist and Benny Allaire. That was really um, cool. That yeah, listen for that because it's really neat. And when he's healthy, like he's been, you look at the adjusted numbers, he's been exceptional. So to be healthy again, after we finished uh, the discussion and, and stopped hitting record, we just chatted a little bit. And, you know, even his wife, like he's like, she's, he's happy when he comes home. Like he, he's back in a happy place. He enjoys playing hockey. As he told me later, it had kind of become like a job. And so much like me being back in the rooms, like he just had this huge smile the whole time. Uh, talking to us. And so thanks to him for the time. I hope everybody enjoys it as much as we did. Really pleased to welcome to the Angle Radio Podcast for the first time, Andy Ranta. We've talked before, but we haven't had you as an official guest. So this is the first. I'm going to start in a weird spot. I want to ask you about the skates because we were just chatting a little informally here in the locker room about the adjustment, you've got the connect, but you're not using them in games yet. Walk me through the process you've gone through, what you like, and getting comfortable with. Yeah, it's, you know, they feel like a ski boots almost, like they're super soft inside. Uh, lots of more movement in, in your ankle. And, and, you know, I think the biggest adjustment for me has been the going from the normal skate with the normal laces and and always starting up like super tight, you know, using a little fatting there and... and putting a little bit of tape, kind of something what I what I learned from the from the King Lundquist in, in New York. And, you know, I had a really bad lace bites back in twenty thirteen and, you know, I was trying to find something what could help that and, and then when I went to New York I was looking what Lundquist was doing and then obviously one of the best goalies in the, ever played this game. So you you want to try whatever he's doing and I tried that and it's been working since since then and now when the new skates came in I was like I wanna try those and, and you know, it's it takes probably for I've been using them for two weeks now, but I would say we'll probably heat them up one more time and and a few more practices, and I think they're ready to go to the game. So you were saying before uh, Lundqvist style, you had like so you put like a pad in the front, and we're talking about like laces and doing them up. Like some guys, the answer to get that forward flex is just not do their laces up. But how, did you find the pad helped you get a little bit before you tightened it up, or was it just strictly for the lace bite? It was more about the lace bites, but then obviously now, like last last couple of years, you've been you started to play around a little bit with your laces. Like you you end up leaving a couple holes, you know, open, and and then uh, you know you you just you know, especially like you know you're getting older, you're, you're playing a lot more reverse, and and you you're in the post a lot. So you try to find a ways to to kind of make it a little bit more comfortable, and and you know try to stay away from your your hips and your knees, and and you know, try try to save those a little bit also. So, but yeah, it was more about the the lace bite and and you know, it just felt super super soft and you know comfortable. So so it was it was good to to try and you know been using that for like last what six seven years. So you know, it's been working pretty good. Anytime you can copy the king, it's not a bad thing. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing what I couldn't do was the fashion and and the look. So so but you know, there's only how many how many people can pull that off, anyways. I'm just curious because you mentioned reverse and and there's a lot of stress in that position. Do you feel, and it's only been a couple of weeks, but having that forward flex, does it take some of the tension sort of in that chain, knees, hips off, having that little bit of wiggle room in the skate? Yeah, I feel like that. Like, you know, especially for like for the ankles and, you know, when you you get to the post and you you get a little bit more movement in there, I I think it just helps, helps a little bit and, and, you know, even moving on the ice, like you, you get you, you find your edges way easier. 
because you have that, that little bit bend and and it just feels like you're a little bit quicker with every every movement and you know that's that's the only thing what you want to do you want to you want to be a little bit quicker you want to the game is getting faster so if you can get even uh, even a little bit quicker it's always a plus so that how how that game has it's picked up the speed the pace the east west that we see how has your game adjusted over the past couple of years maybe since coming to carolina working with paul um because i almost feel like having watched you in new york and in arizona the patience with which you play on your skates i, I kind of feel like the new nhl would suit you and your strengths still harder but would play to some of your strengths yeah you know it's for me, it's always been the movement, uh, you know, trying to trying to be in your stance and move in your stance and, you know, not getting too much up and down move, uh, motion there. So, uh, you know, obviously not the biggest goal in the league. So you, you kind of have to, you have to trust your movement, you try, your positioning and, you know, then good thing is that I have a little bit of flexibility also. So I can, I can try and make those desperate saves here and there. So, but yeah, I think. You know, you're just starting from the practice. Like you, you want to get that pace in in the practice and and feel like you're moving every time when there's a pass. You try to beat the pass. You know, it's just and well there. Yeah. Be exactly Benny. Benny taught that, and you know, it's simple things, but you just have to like every day. You can't go there and you know take a breather. You know, when when the puck is in your zone, and and you know. I think that's kind of what happened last game against Calgary. You you went to the post and and you thought you thought for a second that something's going to happen, and then you started to cheat a little bit, and and you know you got beat in the short side of like you know one of those goals where you like look, it happens, but you you don't really feel great about it. So uh, you know I think it's just stay in the moment, be patient, but also having that you know quickness, pace. All that you, you you know I I need that and you know that everything is coming from me from the practice. So that that fine line between anticipation because you can't really wait for things to happen. Yep. You have to be ahead of the play and read the play, but not going too early. How do you find that? Like you mentioned that goal, that's why I ask it because of that. But like that that's such a hard balance. How do you find it? Ah, uh, you know you just have to trust that you you're gonna. You're gonna make the move, like you're gonna beat the pass, or, or, you know, obviously we talk about it after after the game, and and you know you see guy coming through the back door, and and same time the puck is in the in the other corner, and you get in your reverse, and and your your everything in your head just says that it's gonna go through the back door, and then you make that little slight movement off the post, and then you end up getting scored short side, so. You know, it was just a little hesitation, maybe, and and you know, but then you look back and you're like, it's not even that big movement from the post to the post, you know. So, so then, I think that's the biggest learning from that is you just have to trust that you're gonna you're gonna be able to make that move if if the guy passes to the back door and and you're gonna be able to make the save. So you've had a lot of great partners over the years. You got Freddie now, uh, the King, obviously Lundqvist. What do you, when you look back at your career and the evolution of your game, give me a couple examples, like say working with Henrik, working with Benny, what were the things that maybe changed there? Or I don't even know if change is the right word, maybe just things that accentuated coming from Finland. What, you know, as you've evolved, like the game changes, how, how's your game changed? I think uh, when I got to New York, like I was, I was challenging a shooter a lot more. I, I felt like I was always, 
at least top of my crease, a little bit more, almost almost outside my crease, and then uh, back back flow. Yeah, so you you were kind of like you felt like you you're trying to make up your your height, or you you like you, you were trying to cover more, and and then you know looking hanky, and and then Benny was like just you know take a couple steps back. Just you don't have to be you don't have to be that that high, and and. You know, then you started to do that in the practice. You started to be in uh, pretty much inside the crease, like a couple, couple steps, and, and you, you were still making the saves. Like, you, you still had the, the reactions. You were able to make the saves. And, and you know, I think that also brought the, the patient a little bit, you know. And then when you're a little bit deeper, you have a little bit more time. And also when, when there's a backdoor pass, you have a little bit more. more. It's not that long long way to go. So... Uh, you know, I, I think those those were probably the biggest things, but also Benny was, you know, he was a lot about, you know, having that confidence, you know, trusting yourself, you know, just smiling every day, you know, didn't matter what happened, you know. I, I, I think the big, probably the funniest memory is when, you know, had a, like a really bad practice, like felt like couldn't touch, like couldn't stop single puck in a practice and Benny just skates by you and, Waxy stick on my pad and like great practice and just skates by and I was like, see like instead of a success sargasm or like what, what what was that and you know but he was he was all always about just don't get too beat up like you know there's gonna be practices where you can't make a save or or you feel like that and and still you end up making good good stop up in there so but you know just having that good mindset all the time and. Obviously, playing with Corey Crawford was was awesome. You know, he I think he was one of those goalies who made the timely saves, who made the winning like winning saves. You know, didn't like the you know first period maybe down by two, and the other team gets a breakaway. He makes a save, and suddenly we end up going and winning the game four two. I, I think he was one of the best in 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 that. So you know, it was it's been an awesome ride, and you know. No, does he get enough love? Like this course, like it's funny because I even forgot. Like, like brain cramp on my part, and I knew that I actually had it in my notes. But like, like I think sometimes it gets overlooked. Like the mental strength that Corey Crawford brought to that position in that spotlight sounds like he took some things away. Oh yeah, and you know I probably not like you know if you look gross technique or something like everyone's like, well, it doesn't look that nice or or. But he was making the saves, and I think that's the only thing that matters in in this league nowadays: the the W's and and the saves of what you get make. And and you know, he was like, you you know, I was a young kid when I'm like not young, but like 23, 24 when I was there. And you know, I felt like the world is ending when I, when I lost the game. And you know, when when we lost and and Crow was playing, you know, you go after the game like good job or something like that. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's he was just normal, like he wasn't. He got. It wasn't like emotional or like you know, you know, we lost a game. Like now I have to be super sad. Like he was. Well, still have sixty more more left to go. So you know, I think that was kind of also when the season is so long, so you can't get hold. Like you can't hang up like for one loss or one bad goal or one something. You know, you just have to look forward and and you know try to be better next day. Had a theory on that. You, know, you said style. I think it was the straight pads. I think those rail straight pads. People, it didn't look. It looked chunky at times and so people didn't give him enough credit for how good he was technically i think that's 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 true but you know he he was he was he was really good he got two cops and you know he was he was one of the reasons why why they made that that five six year run you know they that was a top top team in the league for for many years so 
and now this guy, Freddie and Paul, what's, uh, what's, what's, what are you working on with Paul? What, what things change? I mean, I know it's more about focusing on what you're good at and accentuating things, but is there anything that's evolved uh, since you got here? Yeah, I think it's, it was, uh, felt a little bit like you lost your, your game a little bit in Arizona. Like last couple of years, you, you got the knee surgery and, and, you know, then obviously Kemp's, Kemper was there and, and, you know, he was, he was playing unreal. So you almost felt like you, you didn't get your, your job back. You didn't, you know, you were battling all the time and, and, you know, nagging injuries all the time. And, and you almost lost a little bit that pa- the passion for, for the game. You know, you were all the time fighting with the injury or, or you're out for injury and then you come back and then something is not feeling good. And, you know, coming to Carolina was kind of like, you know, just starting out fresh, you know, starting everything, you know, kind of open up the new page and, and that was kind of it. Like, you know, starting last season was working, working, working and, and you know, try to stay away from all those, you know, bad memories and, and like that. And, and, you know, I think it's not like anything needed to change. You just needed to get back to enjoying the game because, I mean, you've always been a hell of a goalie. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing, you know, having those injuries and, and then, you know, felt a little bit like you 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 lost something in in your game and in in hockey and you know coming to here and you know you get into this great great team and you know guys are playing unreal in front of you and and it, it took some time it took a little time to get used to it and and get yourself back but i think after new years you know since that it was it's you, you felt like you're back and you felt like you're almost a little bit better with all the all the mental stuff, like in, in your mindset is a little bit better all the time, and and for me and Paulie, what we've been doing is is pretty much just working in the practice, like work your work your ass off in the practice, and you know, do whatever you can, and and I think that's that's the key for me. Like I need to, you know, when you play with Freddie, who's who's one of the one of the top, and probably also like Corey a little bit, like water off a duck's back when things don't go well, right? Exactly. So it's like, you know, you. You try to be ready, and whenever you get your chance to play, you want to you want to be at your best. So, so for me, it's everything comes from the practice and and playing as hard as you can in the practice. Because then, when you get to the game, game turn is your turn to play. You you want to go there, and you don't have to think. Like you just go there and play and do the same things what you did in practice. So, you know, I think that's that's been the the biggest thing for me the last year year and a half now it's funny eh? like one shot at a time just go play we hear it all the time it's not always easy to do it sounds like you found that here again I'm, I'm happy to see it yeah i think you know especially in practice sometimes guys are you know guys are coming in and putting it bar down and you're like oh no like this this is not working but you just like that's the perfect example one shot at a time like you know you might end up giving up three goals in a, in, in in three shots but the only thing what you can do is not to not to get them four straight or or a fifth one. So, yeah, it's not always the easiest, but you know I think you just have to trust the process and you just go there. And you know having that good positive mindset goes you a long way. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Really appreciate. It. Thank you so much. Pleasure. There's. Two worlds colliding there with Woody being back in the room and and Andy was he was so gracious with his time. I can see you guys just sitting in the in the room, gear all around you, everybody filtering out, and you guys are just two peas in a pod talking net binding. 
And of course, we had a little extra time because the Carolina Hurricanes used their equipment manager as a practice goalie. Oh. Yeah. So Georgie was out there taking shots and that allowed Auntie to come off a little early and have a conversation. Uh, one of the few teams that does it because they because they have somebody on staff. And let me tell you, best equipment manager ever. And that's not a shot at anyone else, but it's just because he's an he's still a goalie. Right. And so you, you Auntie talks about like, you know, all the little tweaks that he can make quite easily. Talked about all the work um, uh, that George Alves did on his gear um, when they had the Hartford Whalers days because they didn't get separate sets. So it had to sort of be like pad screen and he painted masks for the guys like like their equipment manager did that. He paints masks on the side. He did masks for the guys for that. Um, so like and, and there's another thing. He's come up with a secret. If you have your toe tie severed during a game, it's a nightmare in the NHL because you can't take the pad off and redo it. There's no time. So guys will actually finish periods with the toe tie totally disconnected. He has come up with a way to create a quick connection at the bench fast enough that the referees allow them to get away with it. Patent pending, so I can't share it right now, but he promised once he's got it all organized, he will share his quick hit toe tie solution that he's come up with in the NHL. So there's a little teaser for the folks. Once he's sort of got it dialed in and make sure nobody can steal it, we'll uh, we'll share that one with the rest of the folks out there. Equipment managers are geniuses, but having one that's a tried and true goaltender must be such a huge advantage uh, for for netminders. I'm trying to think of Ed Belfour, what he could have done with that. Uh, Hutch, like that, that, that would have been cool because by the end, Eddie was almost an equipment manager himself. <laughs> or, or if we go way back in the day, Tony Esposito may be well known for tinkering with right. the gear as well. Yeah. I wonder how many of these guys, uh, I've not had the privilege of playing at that level. How many of these guys go to their equipment manager with some ideas, some questions and get blank stares, you know? So having, yeah. having somebody like George who can not only say, yeah, I can do that for you, but maybe give you a few great ideas to expand it. Uh, yeah, it's got to be invaluable for them. And don't forget, he's also played in the NHL. That's right. Oh, That's yes, right. yes. The shortest NHL you career tell in that history. Story? That's right. That was the night that uh, Eddie Lack, I think he got concussed playing sewer ball soccer before the game. And towards the end of the game, so so Alva's dressed as the emergency backup on the bench. And towards the end of the game, Cam Ward came out so that he could get in. And I can't remember how many seconds it was. Actually, actually, I think it might have screwed our good friend Jordan Sigalette out of having the record. I, was, I wasn't going to do that. Uh, I wasn't going to do that for, for the to the to the to the for the shortest NHL appearance or shortest nhl career because i think his only appearance in the nhl was a relief appearance as well so no bitterness there the goalie union remains strong we're all committed to each other everybody can have a different share of the record book and obviously siggy doing a hell of a job as the goaltending director with the calgary flames right now uh, let's reach out to, in that uh, goaltending community with uh, amanda mackala of the pwha uh, awesome com conversation that you have uh, talking to a netminder a goalie coach uh, somebody who's uh, basically has ties to all areas of uh, of the greatest position on earth. Yeah, and and much like our you know our our last conversation, um, you know, with a with a player from the PWHPA that like I love that crossing worlds. Like 
the reality is, and it shouldn't be this way, and we can have that discussion down the road, but you need a second job. Like if you're playing in that in that league for that organization at this point, it's not enough to be your sole job. And so the players, the goalies that are also coaching on the side, to me, these conversations are fantastic because they're playing against the best shooters at the highest level in the world, but they're also teaching kids uh, and other top end goalies at the same time. And so the lessons that they're learning and applying on the ice, they're also learning how to share and translate those lessons to the next generation. And I think it just makes for fascinating conversations. And we had another one with Amanda. Really pleased to welcome to the Ingle Radio podcast for the first time, although I understand longtime listener, which is very flattering on our end, uh, Amanda Makala of the PWHPA, plays for the Scotiabank team based out of Toronto. So many questions I want to ask you about university history growing up, uh, but let's, let's start with where you are now, uh, playing for the PWHPA, uh, what a week looks like for you with, with Scotiabank. I know everything's changed in terms of you practice in regions, but not necessarily with teammates, and then when you go to the events, everybody splits into their teams. Give, give, our, give our audience an idea of what a week looks like for you right now as you try and balance between playing and goalie coaching. Yeah, um, so I run my own goalie company, uh, Mac Goaltending. I also work for uh, John Elkin based out of the Toronto Mississauga. Um, so I'm on the ice a ton. So pretty much every day I'm on the ice, probably two to four hours coaching. Uh, and then my own practices and workouts on top of that. So with the, the PW, we practice four times a week, uh, two in the morning, two in the evenings. And then I do like my own workout. Uh, right now we just moved down to two workouts a week. Um, and then coaching. So on average, I'm coaching about two sessions a day. I have Fridays off. Um, and then Monday through the, the weekend, tons of coaching, private lessons, team practices, and uh, some clinics in there as well. Okay. So four practices a week. When you say uh, two workouts a week, I'm assuming that means off ice. Off ice, yeah. What about uh, opportunities to work on your game and goalie coaching? Um, do, do you have any, do you have, we all know what practices can be like because the forwards all want to, you know, screw around and take open looks from everywhere. Um, how do you get goalie time within those four? How do you make sure you manage your game within those four practice sessions? Yeah. So we don't have like through the PW, we don't have a specific goalie coach or any like ice slot allotted to the goalies. Uh, so if I want to work on my game, I, I go to John Elkin for that. Um, so, and then with our, with my schedule, especially we're on the ice so much, it's, it's hard to find that extra time for, for goalie sessions. So just anytime I'm on the ice, I'm trying to focus on what I need to. So I've, I've been going to see uh, Elkin for the past, I guess, three years, like really transformed my game uh, since then. And so I've kind of come up with things that I need to work on. I pick one focus every practice. Um, and pretty much uh, our practices are run well where I can I can work on what I need to throughout the drills. And then if I have like an area that I, I'm noticing that needs a little bit of work, I'll, I'll call Elkin up and get on the ice with him. If you ask for some goalie specific drills, where will will the rest of them hop on board? Do you do you and your goalie? I'm not actually not sure who the other goalies are in your region when you practice together. Because like I said, you don't necessarily practice with your teammates. But do you ever sort of have like a little hey little goalie union meeting and like hey we need a drill that actually works for us here? 
Uh, or do you discuss each other's game? Do you bounce things off each other? How does that process work? Yeah. So uh, my goalie partner right now is at Erica house. We just have the two in our region right now. Um, so I'm sure at some point we'll, we can come up with, with goalie drills for us. I know like our coach has always been like, Hey, if you guys ever want to work with something like, let us know. Um, usually we're just, we kind of just like go with the flow. Uh, we're, we're pretty laid back. So we just, we just work on whatever, whatever the team needs to do. We're, we'll just jump in the net and face some shots. So. Does it ever get a little, like, I mean, this, this these are the best of the best shooting yeah. on you time and space and things like that. We've heard it right up to the NHL level. We know that sometimes practice isn't great for goalies. And this is a question we get from a lot of youth goalies as well. You know, man, like it's just all these like open looks and they never do drills for me. As a goalie, you have to find a way to get something out of that. How do you approach it? Are there times when you sort of have to let it go? Are there times when you just lock in on one thing? How do you make sure you're getting the most out of practices that maybe aren't designed for you and might not be all that helpful? Yeah. So like one thing I, I try to do is cause I'm on the ice so much. I try to uh, make sure my hips are always feeling good. So maybe in the first drill, um, I won't go down for the whole time. I'll just kind of stay back in my net um, and make sure I'm just tracking shots all the way in. And if they shoot low, I'm just pretty much just watching those pucks go in. Uh, so that's something that I, I work on. And then uh, my dog's kind of just bothering me. <laughs> anyway, that's um, okay. Golden Retriever from your Instagram account. Yeah. So we welcome Golden Retrievers to both me and co-founder David Hutchison have Golden. So they're welcome to interrupt any interview. Yeah, she uh, feels a little bit lonely right now. I was going all morning. Uh, so she's uh, just making sure I have some attention here. So um, yeah, so usually I try to pick one focus. So a lot of the drills to start off is just kind of co them coming down. They do some skating, come down right in the middle for some shots. So for those ones, uh, basically I'm just working on staying patient, tracking, tracking pucks all the way in, uh, making sure I'm not dropping, just dropping on every single shot. Um, one of the big things that I've been working on and notice a lot in the goalies I coach is we just drop on every shot and then try and reach up, get beat up high all the time. So waiting for that release and then moving into shots a little bit better and moving into saves, keeping our gloves in front is, is my main focus there. So, uh, th I mean, that, and that's a, that's a great lesson right there on its own. I was going to ask you, you know, part of managing your game and learning about your game. I've heard a lot from goalies that once they start coaching, they feel like it makes them a better goalie. There's one thing you've clearly recognized in your students. So two-parter, I guess. How has the move towards coaching over the past few years and doing more coaching helped your game? Are there specific examples? And I guess the second one is I ask all the questions at once. That not drop, like we all hear it, right? Like don't go down too early, right? It can become a cliche. How do you coach that patience? How do you work on it yourself? How do you try and get it out of uh, the young athletes that you work with to, to not default to the knees? Yeah, so I think for me, um, playing has been better for my coaching. So the more like goalie coaching I get, the more experience I get, the more I'm able to give back to my goalies, uh, different experience that I face. Like, I mean, I will probably get to it, but I've like, through all the teams that I've coached, like, especially like the mental toughness part of it, getting through different situations. Um, I think I've probably dealt with any, like pretty much any situation that you can. Um, so being able to, to help those goalies there, I think is huge um, to get them through whatever they're going through. And then when it comes to like the technique part, being able to, 
to use what I'm coaching in a game and give them video examples maybe of me doing it it might help because I find that I learn better through video so being able to give them the opportunity to do that as well and then I find just by playing I learn a lot more uh, so I'm able to use that uh, to help my goalies. Um, so when you play, say playing and learning a lot more, are we talking in terms of like reads and and how to read and anticipate different situations? Something that I think we hear a lot about, you know, sometimes becomes a bit of a lost art at the at the youth levels that that ability to anticipate and understand how the game moves around us. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's coming down to like reading shots, reading the play, know like how how to manage your depth, where to play during certain situations, your save selection, like RVH versus overlap, um, all that stuff. Maybe like on a power play or a penalty kill, I guess for us, we'd be playing a little bit deeper because they're moving it around the periphery a little bit more, uh, trying to be more efficient on our feet. Um, so like all of that kind of plays a big role. And if I, I find by, by playing, you're able to incorporate those into your game so then you can help teach that a little bit better so when it comes like going back to staying on our on our feet a little bit more um trying to read that release is a lot of times you have a lot more time than you think so a lot of goalies end up dropping or even collapsing their knees before the shot's even taken and then from there you're moving while you're moving down that shot's coming up so it's hard to move in those two directions at the same time. Uh, so the idea is to wait for the real, the shot to be off their stick, and now you can just move into the shot. So just as simple as just getting them to try and have and trust that patience of not yeah. reacting until that puck is off the blade, sort of see and track through that release. Is it? Yeah. it are there different drills you like to sort of try and achieve that, or is it just you know more constant reinforcement, or maybe a bit of both? A lot of the time, it's a lot... It's a lot easier to say than do. Um, you really have to work on, well, one, like your edge work has to be really good being and like your core to stabilize yourself, to not just drop. Um, so really one's working on edge work, making sure we're, we're efficient there. And then, um, and then just getting used to that, that patience. Like once you understand that you have a little bit more time, then you're able, able to read that shot. And it's just good about getting consistent. Like even like that, top NHL goalies, top female goalies. Like we're going to drop sometimes when we don't need to, but we want to make sure that we're, we're consistent there. So a couple of, a lot of drills that we just do are just pushing, like T-push shuffle to the middle, and then we'll shoot high and just having them like stay within when they're, within their posts and moving high into, into those shots. There are even like um, holding the, the puck on your stick for a little bit longer so they, they're forced to be patient and then take that shot. The, um, the, the use of video, I'm curious, uh, do you use it when you're coaching? Do you bring, like we see, we see a lot of coaches, uh, at various levels, bring iPads out, use video, take video of, of students and then go over it with them. Is that something you've incorporated in your game or with your students? How do you use video? Yeah. Um, so I use it more for my own game. I eventually want to start using it a little bit more on the ice with my goalies. I find that right now I do most of the work through team practices and I don't really know exactly how much time I'm going to have with the goalies. So I don't, if I only have 20 minutes with them, I don't want to be fiddling around with the iPad for five minutes. So like right now I'm kind of just judging uh, per team, per practicing what I have. And then I have, I'm starting to create a little bit of a, 
a goalie uh, resource kind of database so I can, um, so if I'm working on something with one of my goalies and they're not quite getting it or something like that, I'll be like, hey, like, what's your email? Like, I'll send you this thing and you can watch this clip and that'll show you what we're working on. And, and hopefully that, that helps them. Sometimes they just see it and they're like, oh yeah, like that clicks for them. What, uh, what do you look for? Like when you're watching yourself play, what are the foundational elements of you at your best that you look for when you're watching video? Um, am I tracking the puck all the way in? Is my head forward? Uh, making sure my head's like over top of that puck. Um, I'm not dropping too early. My movement is fast, efficient. There's no extra movements. Uh, that's the basics. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's funny because we do, we can get into all kinds of little, you know, like you mentioned, overlap, RVH, tactical decisions around the ice, and then the ability to execute certain techniques within those tactical decisions but it really does come down to simple movements for the most part, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. So I, I, when I first started coaching, I, I kind of got into that where like I was doing some simple drills. I'm like, are my goalies getting bored? Like, like simple, like I'm, it's too easy almost. And so I even work with some younger goalies that will do a simple drill. And they're like, Oh, this is boring. And I'm like, watch, go on Instagram, watch any NHL goalie doing a warm up. They're going to be doing that exact same drill. So is this too, is this drill too easy for an NHL goalie? And, and it's, and now you like an NHL goalie is doing it. So are you saying that you can't do a drill that the NHL goalie is doing? So then they like, they're kind of like, Oh, okay. But, and so a lot of times simple is better. You want to work on something a little bit easier before you get into that technical stuff. Once you have that foundation, then you can move forward. And then of course, like when you're playing a lot of games too, especially at the, the younger ages and practices, when uh, drills aren't really tailored to you, you tend to lose those habits. So when you work with a goalie coach, you're, then it's just kind of building those habits back, getting into that um, uh, movement patterns, all that stuff. So now when you go back into your practice, you have those good habits again. We, every young goalie wants shots. They want drills. They want dynamic. And yet every time I see an NHL goalie, how does it start? It's crease movement patterns. I remember when we had that conversation with Carey Price and I'm like, could you just emphasize this for us so we can share it with the kids that this is really important because you know, as a coach, they don't, they don't want to do that stuff. They want shots. Give me pucks. Mm-hmm. And I always get the ones where it's like, oh, like this drill's too easy. And the, the kid's maybe like 10 years old. I'm like, okay, so glove shots are too easy for your 10 year old. Okay. So then we do two on O's, two on ones, more complicated stuff. They keep, they get beat because they don't have that foundation. So you got to build from the bottom up. It all starts with skating. Um, anything, anything in terms of advice or things you've learned in terms of how you move around the ice? Uh, we see the trend, um, the games become so East West. We see a lot of people rather than retreating on rushes in a deep stance, we see a lot more shuffles now. Is there anything that you've found in your game over the past couple of years? You talked about working with John Elkin and, and, and making some significant changes. Can you give us some examples knowing that everyone listening is kind of everybody's goalie. So they speak the language. Yeah. So it's, uh, more about efficient movements um i guess the biggest thing for shuffles t push is making sure we're bringing that back leg in right away so if we're dragging that back leg one where we get a little bit too low and then that the leg dragging slows us down a lot so as soon as we push we want to bring that back leg in whether it's shuffles t pushes slides power push like always bringing that back leg in um and then with all the east and west movement is making sure that we're staying a little bit further back in our net so if they're going from face-off dot to face-off dot, if we're above the top of our crease, 
unlikely that we're going to make it there in time with the speed of the game. So playing just slightly back from the top, you're going to be able to get there a lot quicker. And because of the angle that you're on, if they shoot, you're still covering most of the net. You may give up a tiny bit, but you got to make sure that you're able to get to that pass across as well. I got to ask, we were like, we're well into all these coaching tips and advice and tactical and technical. How'd you become a goalie? Let's, let's just rewind this a whole bunch. Like where, where did this, you know, you clearly you're coaching it, you're playing it. I missed the fact I, I mentioned all the different places you played. I forgot about Sweden, which I want to ask you about last season. How did this all start for you? You know what? That's a, I really don't know. It's an interesting story. So like when I was growing up, my parents, they put me in pretty much every, every sport to, to try and see what I'd like. And what was awesome, like swimming, all that. So I did, um, they put me in skating lessons. First lesson I'd figure skates cried the entire time. Like I hated them. I, I wanted to, to wear at that time, the boys skates, like my brother also, also had skating lessons. So I wanted to wear the same skates that he did. I didn't think it was fair that he got different skates than I did. So the first lesson, like I was just toe picking everywhere. I absolutely hated them. Second session, my parents were like, okay, put them in, uh, put me in hockey skates. Absolutely loved it. Had the best time. I was a great skater. And then from there, my parents didn't even think to put me in hockey. They're like, okay, she's a great skater. What, what else do we want to try now? Um, but then at, at school, I've always been kind of like a tomboy into sports. Um, probably from the fact that my parents just let me try all these types of sports. So all my friends at school played hockey. Um, I'm from Thunder Bay. So there's not much to do up there. So hockey is, is the main thing. So it kind of just seemed natural. Uh, so I remember like I came home from school one day and I just told my parents, hey, I want to play hockey. And they're like, are, are you sure? Like, I'm like, yeah, I want to play hockey. Like, well, my friends play hockey. Um, so I started uh, playing out and I was like really good off the back. So I was already did the skating lessons. I don't even know what it was. Something just drew me to the net. Like I remember seeing some old videos of me during practice and I, in player equipment, I was in the net. So at some point I just asked my parents, I'm like, Hey, like for Christmas, I want either a puppy or goalie pads. <laughs> so, uh, my parents thinking it was a lot cheaper in the long run, got me goalie pads. Little and, did they know. Yeah. So I ended up being, they're still paying for it right now. <laughs> so, uh, they're super supportive of that. So, um, so yeah, so I got goalie pads, uh, and then I'm the, this probably the shyest kid in the world. And my parents are like, okay, well, if you want to play goalie, you have to ask the coach to play goalie. And I've never sp spoken to the coach all year. So get to practice that day, go right up to the coach, ask to be goalie. And they're like, are you, are you sure? Like, you're like probably one of our best players. I'm like, yeah, I want to be a goalie. So from that point on, uh, every second game, I'd go in net and play out the rest of it. And then the next year, um, my parents made me try out for, for boys hockey. And I thought that they were crazy. Like, there's no way I've been a goalie for like half a season. No way I'm going to make a boys team. So I, I tried out and, and I had this amazing coach that year who ended up like, I wasn't very good, but he saw some, he saw something in me. He's like, you know, we're, we're going to take you. And, um, and he really worked with me probably for like the first couple, maybe the first month until I actually played a game. Like, um, but then yeah, the, pretty much the rest is history been goalie full-time since then and sorry and what roughly what age was that uh eight nine okay and so you start but who were any early influences like normally like normally it's either the gear or sometimes we hear it's like you know i had to be a goalie to play with my older siblings those are the two most common ones for sure yeah. um 
as you get into the position, are you just playing it on pure instinct? Are you watching NHL guys? Was there a point? I mean, probably not at eight or nine, but as you moved up, was there a point where you're like, go from watching them and just enjoying watching hockey to trying to figure out what they're doing and how? Yeah. So growing up, I was a a pretty big Leafs fan, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I guess like I think the first goalie I ever watched was uh, Curtis Joseph. So he was a big influence for me. And I, I guess watching him, I tried to imitate what he was doing. Uh, and then my parents put me in goalie lessons pretty much right away. Um, so there was that. I, uh, I remember I needed a new glove one year and there's a glove that said Cujo on it. Probably the worst closing glove. Like there's not even a space for a puck, but I had to get that puck, that um, glove because it said Cujo on it. Couldn't catch a thing for the whole year, but it was a like, really cool glove. <laughs> but I love uh, it. Yeah. And he, yeah. I, I mean, Thunder Bay's got some pretty, like we've, uh, you know, we're, we've been blessed to get to know Alex Ald since he relocated here. Uh, goalie coach Colin Zulianello works out of there. And I know Zuli just took a job with uh, uh, Seattle's, AHL team back into coaching in Palm Springs. Um, best job in the AHL, by the way. Uh, but you know, uh, Matt Murray, like we've seen some, we've seen some good goalies come out of, come out of the Thunder Bay area as well. Was there any interactions or coaching interactions with some of the people that were, were involved there? Yeah, for sure. So Matt Murray was actually my goalie partner in Pee Wee. We played uh, Pee Wee Kings triple uh, A together. I had the same goalie coach growing up, uh, so uh, Colin Zulianello, uh, I went to see uh, Carter Hutton was mine when my goalie coaches for a little bit. I grew up with Blackwood as well. We didn't really cross paths too much growing up, but later on we did. That's a pretty, like you say, it's a small town with not much to do. Like I missed, I've almost forgot about Hutts and I, and, and I missed Mackenzie. Like that's a, and yourself, like that's a, that's a pretty darn good representation in the goalie world. Yeah, it's very good. And then, well, growing up, there wasn't many female goalies around my area, but like Haley Irwin played for Team Canada at the time. So like uh, when she came out, she came out to a couple of Carter Hutton's goalie schools to shoot on me. And I got, when I played uh, U18s, I got to work with her a little bit. Um, So that was pretty cool as well. Nice. So as you, as you sort of get into the teen years, and like you said, played on Canada's U18 uh, at the U18 World Championships, uh, that transition, at what point did you think, hey, this is something I could do long-term? You end up going to play NCAA for four years. Was there a point there where this went from, hey, I want to be a goalie and wear Cujo's glove to, hey, this is something I'm pretty darn good at and, and there's a future here? Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. Like I don't really remember seeing any like really Team Canada influences until probably I was maybe 13, 14. Um, the Olympics there and then until then pretty much just playing for fun like I didn't even think about universities anything like that until until one day I got home and there's a letter from I think it was Princeton in the mail and at that point I'm like oh hey like like I didn't even like I didn't know if I was good enough or not I just played for fun like I knew I was good for my team but I didn't know I could play at that level so once I started getting a couple of those college interests I'm like hey like maybe I could I can go on and play a little bit more. I knew I always wanted to continue playing hockey, at, but at that age, at and during that time, we college hockey wasn't like it wasn't as big as as it is now. So I didn't 
really know as much about it and didn't know it was a future. So once I kind of figured that out, I'm like, hey, like this is something I really want to do. And I had all these uh, schools looking at me. So I started really thinking about my future there. Does that add pressure? Because, uh, you, you know, when you're just going out and having fun with your friends and you're not thinking about it in those terms, once you sort of realize that, did it add a layer of pressure to you performance wise? And how did you manage it? Are there lessons there that you could translate to other kids who are maybe going through the same process now? Yeah, for sure. I think initially when I knew there was scouts um, coming to watch me or just knowing that they were in the building, it added a little bit of pressure. But then once I got into the game, I completely forgot all about them. So it's kind of like just, you know, just go out and play. Like if you're too busy thinking about like who's watching you, who's in the stands, if you're worried about your performance, you're not going to play well. You just got to take the thinking out of it. So go out there like as hard as like it's easy to say it's harder to do but the main thing is you know you're you're focused on a hockey game so try and just go out there have fun with it like the biggest thing for me is just stop thinking just go out and play and that yeah i was gonna say because it is the easiest thing you know that that next shot mentality is so easy to say and it is hard to do um is there anything you've done over the years like it sounds like you come by it quite naturally is there we see some people that struggle to stay in the moment have to work, you know, they'll write things on sticks inside their blocker, they'll work with sports psychologists. Has it just come naturally to you? Or is there any little tricks and tools that you've developed along the way to help you stay in the moment as a goaltender? Yeah, I think initially, it was very natural. Um, I didn't face a lot of pressures, really, it was just always about fun for me. And then once I started getting to, I guess it'd be the university level where I had all these external pressures placed on me kind of took the fun away from it um so just being able to try to figure out how to have fun again and it's it's definitely something that comes over time uh, i mean i there's been a lot of situations where i've had either like bad coaches or, or something like that and it's all it's uh, there's a i guess there's a moment maybe like five years three four five years something in there um where i just didn't like hockey anymore. It, it was not fun. It was, took me everything I had to get to the ring. And eventually I figured out how to, how to have fun with that again, but it's really something it just some takes time and then learning different strategies to have fun with the game as well. Is that, I mean, is it just a matter, like, was it just a matter of remembering that you needed to have fun or is that it's again, easy to say, but hard to do when you're not enjoying it? For yeah, for me, it was more about trusting my abilities because I knew I was good enough to compete. I just wasn't given the opportunities. Uh, so like I just surrounded yourself with people who support you. So I had a, a great goalie coach. I had great uh, strength and conditioning coach. Like my parents have always been supportive. Um, my dog's always been there for me. She's always been the mascot. Uh, so surrounding yourself with those positive influences and it just builds up your, your mental capacity there. Um, and then just, you, you always have to believe in yourself. So when everyone's doubting you, uh, I just never stopped believing that, that I was good enough and I could be there and I put in the work too. So you, like, it's, I, I put in the money to, to go see goalie coaches, to go see strength coaches, to do vision training, all this stuff. Cause I knew I had the skill. I just, it's kind of like waiting for that opportunity to show it. Once you finished at uh, Mercyhurst University and WHL for a year, CWHL for a couple of years, 
Um, obviously, we know there's been sort of the opportunities and where they lie have changed over the past number of years for women's hockey. What was that process like in terms of finding a spot and choosing that path and finding that balance between playing? And we know there's not usually enough finances, so you have to do other things as, co- as coaching sort of filled that void. And, you know, how has it changed since joining the PWHPA over the past couple of seasons? Yeah, so the unfortunate thing for women's hockey right now is there's really not enough games so we play it's probably less than a college season like last i mean especially with covid like that is a separate thing but we've played maybe 20 24 games so um and because there's so few teams there's you always have three solid goalies on every team um so what and then what um basically is i was ended up making all these teams but i was always not necessarily stuck behind two goalies, but I've always, there was always good goalies on my team. And then for whatever reason, I just never really got the, the opportunity to play. And then when, or if I did play, the pressure was like, Hey, if you don't play, you're probably never playing again. So it's, it's kind of tough, tough there. And that's a, maybe not at the youth level, but I see that a lot. Like, especially when you get into the backup role um, at, at a lot of different levels. That pressure of, oh man, it's my turn now. And if I don't do well, I might not get another turn for a long time. That's not easy to deal with. Have you found, like, it sounds like you're still going through the process of managing that, especially when you don't play much. Because as you said, games build confidence, games build understanding of what you need to do to have success without games. How are you managing it? How are you getting through it? Yeah. So pretty much just focusing on what I control. So, um, it's I'm putting in all the work so that when I am ready or I, when I am put into a game, I, I can play the best I can. There's always going to be those pressures too, but I guess confidence comes with the work that you put in. So like when I'm on the ice, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm putting my, my effort in and I'm doing all the work off the ice, maintaining my body, making sure I'm strong and, and powerful, all that stuff. So that when I do finally get that opportunity, I, I can play well. And like, for the most part for me, like, I feel like, when I haven't played, it hasn't been performance-based. There's been some other reasons, whether it's a good reason or not. It's like, we've had like a 24 game season. And I maybe play one of those games. So for me, it was like, how do you stay motivated to go through all this? Like you're, I'm going like six, seven years playing maybe one or two meaningful games a season. Um, so it's all about just making sure you put in the work off away from those games to making sure you're you're ready to play when you are called on. So last year, and I'm not sure at what point of the year, but in addition to PWHPA, you end up for a time in Sweden mm-hmm. um, where, where there's maybe an opportunity to play a little more. Can you talk me through that decision, the process, the opportunity, and what it was like for you? Yeah, so uh, this is pretty much our, we had just had a, a showcase canceled or postponed, I guess. And then we had an exhibition game canceled. And then, so we had three really good goalies on our team. We had Erica Howe, Cassie Sove. Um, so I knew like going there probably, he probably had about five, six games left. And I knew at most I'd play maybe one or two of those. Cause at that point we were pretty much going through our goalie roster. Like we each had a game at that point. Uh, so I got this, uh, opportunity to go to Sweden and so I looked at where we were in the pandemic we were there's going to be another month before we can even practice again so just looking at it 
looking at how I haven't had many games in the past couple of years, this was my opportunity to go and play 13, 14 games in the span of two months. So it was a, it was a tough decision. I, I don't like leaving my team halfway through, especially as a goalie, like knowing um, you can put your team in, in a tough situation there, especially practices, games, uh, injuries. Uh, so I talked to my coaches and, and we, we figured out that, you know, you do got to do what's best for you. And I ended up deciding to go to Sweden, had a like, really cool experience there. The hockey wasn't quite at the level that I was hoping or expected, but again, like I played, I think 13, 14 games, we ended up making it pretty far into playoffs, a lot farther than we, we anticipated. And just overall, like pretty much the life experience, like the team over there was, was amazing. I loved every minute of it. Um, it, yeah, it was a great experience overall. Did you consider going back for this year? I mean, everything it's, it's been such an evolving world in terms of opportunities and what's open and what's closed. Was that ever an option or something you considered or just needed to be back home? Yeah, I, th- I thought about it. Um, but overall, I decided to stay home and hope to make a, a PW team. Um, big reason was I didn't want to be away from my dog again. And then two, I, I needed, I was, I love coaching. And in Sweden, I didn't have as much of an opportunity to coach. Uh, so I really wanted to make sure that I, I kept growing my business and then as well as like learning and working with uh, Elkin. Uh, and then I, with the Olympians being back, Hockey Canada, USA players, it's the hockey's just so much more fun. They bring another level to practices as well. So um, in Sweden, like it was fun, but it wasn't challenging for me. So I always like to be challenged during practices. So uh, just being able to have an opportunity to train with them, I thought that was going to make me the best goalie possible. Um, that's a big reason I stayed with the PW as well. There's a lot of options right now. So um, just, just to face the best, best players yeah, on, so a, those, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Those practices are, are so fun when, when they're around. So that, that's, the, that was the biggest influence for me is when stay with staying um, in Canada. Like I knew I wasn't going to get as many games, but the practices I, I make um, be more of a uh, be better for my skill development to stay. Now you, you've talked about fun a lot you, and you're enjoying those practices, even when they may not be set up for a goaltender necessarily. Uh, what do you like about coaching? What do you, what do you find fun and enjoyable about, about the coaching side of things? Um, so I always say it's because I like scoring goals. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so growing up, I had I had a couple amazing coaches and I also had far too many bad coaches. Uh, so when I first started, like the first time I coached was probably maybe I was 13, 14. And uh, when you see like a goalie struggling or not making many saves and you give them one little suggestion or say like hey like hold your glove like this or something like that and something clicks for them and just seeing them shift from not making a save to making a save and then the look on their face like how excited they are um that's something that like uh is amazing to witness and and be a part of and then as well as as guiding and and helping players through the adversity that I went through and um helping them through that so like yeah so a big thing is like when i deal with bad coaching like i never want one my one of my goalies to have to deal with this um and if they do i want to be there to help them and then the biggest thing too like 
to, I love like the technical game of, of goaltending, learning about all that. So being able to help them there and help them accomplish their dreams is, is pretty fun. And now you're working with teams, as you said, but also doing some privates. Um, Want to make sure we give a plug to to Mac Goaltending and where where they can get a hold of you if they're in that area and they're listening to this interview and they're like, hey, I would like my son or daughter to get on the ice and learn some things about this position from Amanda. Where Where's the best way to get a hold of you that way? Uh, if you go to my, probably my Instagram. Oh, and there's lots of great pictures of the dog on Instagram too. So make sure you check that out, folks. Definitely go there for Charlie content. Um, so Instagram would be Macula34. Uh, just DM me there for any information or or inquiries about goaltending. Um, and then I have I have a website macgoaltending.com. And if you're more in like Mississauga area, then reach out to to John Elkin, and we can arrange something through them as well. Love it. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well, Amanda. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I took up, as I tend to do on this podcast, and you know this as a regular listener, I took up probably more than I told you I would, but I can't thank you enough for for taking the time to share your journey and some of the lessons along the way with our audience. It's sincerely appreciated, and I know they're going to learn from it. Yeah, no problem. It was a lot of fun. That might be one of the most wide-ranging conversations. And let me explain this. You've got a goalie, you've got a goalie coach, and you've got a goalie talking about working with the goalie coach. You you, you cover every angle in goaltending through that conversation. That, that was really intriguing and how uh, Amanda was able to break down all the different tentacles to it. And we had the goalie coach and goalie's dog, which was also awesome. Right. Yeah. We we love dogs at Ingle. That's right. Had to to pop in, especially golden retrievers. Me and Hutch are both golden owners. So uh, yeah, just a a great conversation. And and like I said, we hope to have more of those. Um, You know, we know, we recognize that we haven't had a lot of PWHPA guests on, and that's something we're, we're hoping to expand um you know make sure that we're bringing more professional women's hockey player voices uh and the phf as well uh, to the ingle radio podcast in the coming months and years ahead uh, on the uh, subject of what's coming up craig anderson will be stopping by ingle radio the podcast and these are always exciting discussions yeah love andy um you know we've had him on before so this is a return guest uh, but there's never any shortage of fun nope. things to talk about. You know, and he gets into, you know, a little bit about why he kept playing, um, why he continues to play, the passion that he has for the position. Uh, some really fascinating stuff on the relationship with Eric Comer, as I said off the top, getting to hang out with them both and just completely opposite styles. And maybe that's overstating a little bit because as Eric told me, he thinks Anderson's got more technique than a lot of people give him credit for. His positioning's exceptional. Um, and you know, as much as we think of Eric as a technician, every goalie relies on reads, right? And so your ability to process the game has to be at an elite level to make the national hockey league, but they're both off to great starts. And so we had a chance to catch up with both of them, Eric, a little more informally for the article that's up as I, as I said, at ingolmag.com for premium members, some great sort of mind set and headspace advice and how to reset it during a game. Sometimes using a little trick by writing things down on your stick. And Craig Anderson, next week's guest on the Ingle Radio podcast. Can't wait. Just thinking about uh, guys that 
on the vein of Eric Comrie, and I, I think of him as breaking through this year, uh, the opportunity to play a lot more. Uh, Stu Skinner uh, playing a lot more. Logan Thompson, first year as a starter. We we got uh, some some new names on the horizon or names that are getting a, a lot better look in, into the National Hockey League. And we sort of had to, right? Like yeah. my first column for NHL.com this year was about all the names we've lost, right? We talked about Kerry not playing this year, Henrik Lundqvist, Roberto Luongo, Corey Crawford, uh, Jimmy Howard, uh, Mike Smith, Ryan Miller. There are so many goalies. I had it at more than a, I had it at a dozen, I think. In the last three years, there's a dozen. So that's more than a third of the NHL. Like, workhorse number ones that have been in that role for like right. five to 10 years that aren't playing anymore. And so it's, it is going to lead to more opportunities for younger goalies. And it's nice to see them, you know, sort of taking advantage as Eric is. And it's nice. I think it's important, the mentorship. I think we forget that. Like, you know, I'm already seeing noise in Edmonton, like a Skinner's playing so well, like, Oh, they didn't need Jack Campbell. I'm telling you, like as much as that conversation may be relevant in a year or two, like right now, to have Jack Campbell there to take the pressure off Stuart Skinner, to have him there just as Mike Smith yeah. was as a mentor to him, um, that's important. Eric Comrie tell you how important Craig Anderson has been to him right now, just like Connor Hellebuck was last year when he was in the backup role. So, um, you know, it's it's tough. We saw it with Carter Hart. Like Carter started at such a young age and never really had that guy that been there, done that, established number one to lean on for advice and. You know, where there, there were some ups and some downs, and now ups again. Great start for Carter. Caught up with him the other day, and as like I said, we'll have that conversation at ingolmag.com about the influence of Carey Price, so make sure you look for it there for premium members and a promise of some pro reads to come with Carter. we got a lineup coming, folks. You've been patient with the old pro reads as we worked our way through all the inventory we had, but Spencer Knight, Carter Hart, all kinds of guys that have, have committed. Freddie Anderson, we're going to do some more with him. All kinds of guys committing to pro read sessions in the coming months that we'll have up at ingolmag.com shortly after. Awesome stuff uh, at ingolmag, ingolmag.com. And it's uh, some really cool uh, different areas that you can tap into, whether you're a premier member or or not. And uh, we, we love the support. And uh, you, you smash the like button. Hutch. People got to smash the like button. They got to share the podcast. And they got to get over to ingoldmag.com. Yes, they do. Um, smash the like button. I think, isn't that a thing over on YouTube? If you're watching the gear segments, reminder to everybody, the gear segments are all published over at YouTube as well. And uh, if you're listening on your favorite podcast provider, we would love it if you would give us a rating and let us know what you think of the show in the comments. It really does mean a lot to us. As soon as one comes in, I fire it off to the guys because we all want to read them. And uh, and usually it sparks some great conversation around here. So we are listening. Send us your comments. Thanks, everybody. Well, and we hey, if you're getting that membership in this month, don't forget, you got a few, few days left to join us with October Saves, 50% of your membership fee straight to October Saves. Thanks to Auntie. Thanks to Amanda. Thanks to our good friends over at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Soon to be Source for Sports Langley. Cam is so busy over there. Uh, and thanks to you, the listener, for uh, being along this ride with us. It's awesome. Can't wait to see you next week when we catch up with Craig Anderson. <laughs> 